When you walk into or out of a theater, what do you think about? You may think about the amazing performances by the actors you just saw and how great the show was. But did you know that so much more goes into shows than you think? Hi, my name is Matthew Herrera and welcome to my podcast, Behind the Curtain, where I'm talking to acclaimed veteran actor, Mark Boyette, about his life inside and out of the theater and on the silver screen, and his amazing experiences from acting on his knees on stage to making audiobooks. Before we get into our conversation, let me tell you about myself. I'm 15 and I am in high school for theater. I am a singer and aspiring theater actor, and I've done a few productions in the past, but I know I have a long road ahead of me. That's why I wanted to do this podcast project, so we can all find out about the inside look about what it's really like to be a theater actor. I think you are really going to enjoy and learn a lot from this conversation. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hi. Hi, Matt. Hi. It's really great to talk to you. Yeah, happy to be here. All right. Well, first question is something that I've been curious about. When you perform, what do you think about? Best thing to think about when you're performing, remembering, of course, that by the time you're performing, you've had quite a bit of rehearsal. Yeah. And the goal is to be thinking what the character's thinking. That's that's really the goal. And that's the real satisfying thing. It's easy, especially when you're starting out, to have your a part of your mind outside kind of picturing what you're doing and trying to get it right in some sense. But the more you can let go of that and just really be inside the character's life, wanting what the character, this is where it's helpful to know what the character wants so that you can be wanting that and really feel yourself wanting that and thinking those kinds of thoughts. Like, I can't believe he said that to me or whatever the character would be thinking at the time, really. And that's Mm -hmm. a little hard to do because, of course, there's the artifice of these lines are all written down and we all memorize them and we're pretending like we've never said them before when, in fact, we said them so many times. So it's difficult to do. Yeah, that is that is the goal. And I and I one time did such a long run of a play that I was so solidly off book that I really did find myself. I never had to worry. The next line was going to pop out of my mouth. Uh, like all of its own. So I really could get lost in the in the character's thoughts in that play. And that was the most magical experiences I've ever had because it just felt like I was truly living that life. And it was great, except with laughs and applause. <laughs> it's better than real life. Yeah. So when you're acting, what's your character preference in theaters, musicals? What type of character do you like to play? Well, I have had a lot more experience in what 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 we call straight plays, which is non-musicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I have I have done some musicals in in my life mm-hmm. and in my career, but but um way more experience in in the uh in the straight theater world. It's hard at a certain level to go back and forth between the two actually as an actual career. Uh because once uh-huh. now I I don't have Broadway experience. My experience on stage is in the regional theater um in in america so all the major cities will have what's called a regional theater there and uh whether it's st louis or dallas or or wherever and and uh or chicago whatever and and most of them will audition for actors in new york city and then they 
bring us out and we do shows and uh, and do uh -huh. a show and rehearse there and then come back. Um, once people are known as singers, they mostly it's hard to get into straight theater and vice versa. So once you find yourself working uh, primarily on one of those tracks or or the other, you're more likely to go to be cast in that way. So what do I prefer? Yeah. I don't have a preference. I think most actors will say, I'll take whatever job I can get. So do I prefer comedies over dramas? I couldn't possibly say. When, I, when I'm doing a drama, I absolutely love it. And when I'm doing a comedy, I absolutely love it. And when I'm in a musical these days, um, the last musical I did was probably four years ago, and I did a production of Shrek. <laughs> I was in a show with these really professional Broadway singers, and I can carry a tune, and I'm quite confident, but they were really good, and I mean, at singing, like really good at singing. And so they were very kind to me, and I think I held my own, but... Um, at this point, I, I'm a, I'm a straight theater actor. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's sort of like the process of really learning th those those roles? Well, the first thing that happens is that you audition for it. And when you audition for it, they give you a small portion of the script, like a yeah. scene, a very small scene. Um, and those the word for that is sides. They give you sides. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but that's what we call them. Um, why they're called sides. That's an old story from the vaudeville days or something. I don't really know, but, but, um, so you learn that that scene and then you go in or put yourself on tape with it. And if they cast you, then the first thing is you, you, the cast all assembles. This is for the theater, whether it's Broadway, whether, whether it's musical or, or a straight play, Every, everybody gets together. And, and generally the first thing that happens is we all sit around a table and we read through the play together, everybody reading their part. And then there's the whole rehearsal process where we get up and block the scenes. The director, we throw out ideas about where to move and how to move. And, and then as we're also during that whole process, we're in our own time sort of trying to get off book and learn all of our lines so that as that rehearsal process goes on, we eventually find ourselves able to stop looking at the lines so much and being able to just interact with each other more. And then eventually there's a there's usually a time when people just naturally are off book or you're required to be off book by a certain date and you're just kind of running the scenes. And the more you the more you run them, the deeper your connection to the material becomes. And it just and the director, you know, uh, pipes in with things to try and different intentions. That's basically how you do it. And there are some there are some things, you know, that that most people will learn in acting school that I certainly learned right away that in any pretty much in any given moment in a play, there's something you want. There's something keeping you from getting it. And so there's something you have to do to get what you want. So that's mm -hmm. called an objective, an obstacle and an action. And those things can always be shifting. And as you become intimately aware of the material, you start to make different choices about that. What I want her to hold my hand, but her dad is in the room. So I'm going to distract him with something to get him out of the room or something. I, I don't know. That's mm -hmm. just a lame example. But um, there's something you want, something in your way, and something you have to do to get it, to get what you want. And that's pretty much true in life all the time when we really, really look at it. So that's certainly a part of getting to know the character. Yeah.
how do you actually like physically get into character? Is it different with each character that you play? It is different. And and you kind of discover these things, how to get into character with each in each unique rehearsal process. You can bring ideas right to the table that you just kind of came up with your on your own and try them out. Maybe this guy is not confident, so he kind of slumps. Maybe he feels beaten down by his wife, and so he carries himself in a certain way. Or, But basic, but really, you're going to find those kinds of things, how the character lives in his body and interacts with other people. You're going to discover that in the rehearsal process. And mm-hmm. just by trying different things, and also just listening to your own, your own feelings about how it feels to be spoken to that way but when someone says they're lying there's a lot of feeling around to see what works and then eventually you you hone these these options that you have into what is the hottest choice what choice moves the play along the best so i think you find each character in mostly in rehearsal That's really interesting because I am a singer and I do like a lot of musical theater. I don't do Mm -hmm. as much drama, but it's really interesting seeing from like a more drama standpoint, like how that works. And it's kind of the same. Would you find that it's the same in a musical? I think that's the same thing, even with playing more more minor characters. Recently, my, my school did a production of Chicago. I was in the ensemble and so... My director said, even though you're an ensemble, you have to find some sort of character in your ensemble person that you play. Right. And so even though it was an ensemble character, you had to really put time into like making up a storyline and, and really thinking about what you were doing. Yeah. When, when you're in the ensemble, they don't want just generic people moving about. Whereas yeah. if you decide uh, certain things about your character that maybe he's always uptight or he's in a rush or you know, I, I don't know what, then then your body will be moving through space with its own unique energy and, and your, yeah, I, that, that sounds like the right thing to do. And in that, and in that case, it's a little bit different than a, a scene, you know, when we're in the en- ensemble, we do have to do a, a kind of bring our own stuff a little bit more in that case. Yeah. I was a long time ago in a, a production of Sweeney Todd and, and, um, Ooh. and, and that was the case there. And sometimes we had to all act like the chorus and be kind of a multi-headed entity, but other times kind of bring our own energy to what we were doing. So, so yeah, I know what you mean. And that, I think that was the right direction. Yeah. When you're sort of living your own life outside the theater, do you take your characters with you? Like when you're outside the theater where it's like, you're sort of still in that mindset? It depends on the part. And with dramas, it happens more. I know exactly what you mean, and and the and it happens more with dramas than with mm-hmm. comedies. Yeah, and it really does depend on the part. Of course, you only do it subtly, but I don't know if you know the play "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf," but it's a a three hour play about a very uh, challenged marriage, and this it's about a couple that drink way more than they ought to and fight way more than anybody would like in their relationship. So the whole thing was a three hour fight. That was sometimes a little, some of the feelings that came up in that were a little hard, hard to shake. But, you know, you do manage, of course. This is Behind the Curtain with me, Matthew Herrera. What Mark said about that feeling you get on stage reminds me of all the times I've performed, especially in theater, 
and the exhilarating feeling I get that stays with me even after a show is done. There is always a rush going through my body when I'm on stage. That electric charge is unshakable no matter where you are or what you're performing. But sometimes that energy catches you off guard. Continuing with my conversation with Mark, we talk about the times where he has forgotten lines or cues during his performances and how he's handled that. When you do sort of forget uh, like a line or a cue or um, something like that, how do you sort of react and make it work and move on from that? That definitely happens and it happens somewhat frequently. Typically, by the time you're performing, you've had a lot of rehearsal and you don't just know your lines. You kind of know, in a certain sense, you know all the other lines a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. So you know kind of what we're talking about in this section here. So usually what happens if somebody misses a line and some important information got skipped, believe me, when that happens in your head, there's a part of your brain that's like, oh boy, oh boy, what did I do? I got to, we got, I skipped the part where I told her I wrecked the car and that's important to the play. And, and everybody's kind of thinking that and it's very electric on stage and everybody's uh, very excited and we're all acting like nothing's happening. But then we all kind of work together. Someone will usually oftentimes, if it's possible, someone else will go back and like even improvise a line like, well, what about the car or something? You know, hopefully these things happen seamlessly. It always feels when you're on stage and these things happen that everybody knows it feels really obvious. But when you Mm -hmm. talk to the audience afterwards, you realize they did not know that because they've never seen it before. They don't know anything. So that's why you just keep your cool and you just let your head spin around and try to think what to do. But you just stay in character and it works out. Now, that's not to say sometimes it doesn't. In very rare cases, it doesn't. (laughs) I one time was in a a production of Merrily We Roll Along and the whole scene was a patter song, you know, Sondheim. Yeah, very difficult. Because he loops around and things aren't exactly the same, but they come back. And it's very difficult. It's a patter song called uh, Franklin Shepherd Inc. And the whole song was me singing, giving this interview. And I flubbed it right at the top. And I was young. And once I flubbed it, I just, I stopped singing. And there was nothing I could do because the whole scene was my song. And the orchestra dropped out piece by piece until it was just a drum going, tum, bum, tum. and then the curtain fell. And then we just moved on to the next scene. You do like some voiceover work and some film and tv sort of um work how is that different from theater like not having an audience and hearing and experiencing that well with audiobooks which is which is where i make my real bread and butter the last any number of years um long long time probably 15 years i'm really by myself i have my engineer that i can bounce things off but so with audiobooks it's very different because you're just reading that whole book and you're trying to play, you're playing all the parts and including the narrator in between. But it's kind of this, there's a lot that, that that's just regular acting of what do you want? What are you doing to get it? How does that inform the way you're saying the line? And, and um, so that's all still in there, but it's not really rehearsed. I don't rehearse the audio books, but I can immediately go back and redo a line if I did, didn't, or even just listen to it and see if I liked it. Sometimes a line will come, a sentence or so will come out and I'll think, I think I stressed a word in there that made it confusing. 
more confusing than the author meant. And so I'll ask the engineer to play it back. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I need to redo that. And other times I think, oh, well, that actually sounds okay. So audiobooks are definitely their own animal, but how on camera is different from on stage is also very, very different because on stage, you're acting with your whole body. That's not to say your body is dead on camera, but you know, what matters is the eyes, really, depending on the shot and definitely depending on the shot. But the eyes, is, it's not to say smaller. You just act the size of the room. Like if if I were in a big room, I would be talking louder right now, just naturally, right? And then on camera, it's it's often much more intimate because the room is smaller. So it's all got to still be there, your intentions and your thoughts and all that. But I definitely miss the audience when I do some on-camera stuff because it's a very different feeling, you know? And you're all, it's also very chopped up. Movies seem more real than theater because of how they're all put together. But they're, as, as you know, they're, the process of making them is way faker than theater because in theater, okay. you're going from A, B, C, D. You're doing the whole thing in, in a row. And that you never do that on camera. The cam- you're doing stuff all out of order, all out of order. You got to get a lot fewer swings at the bat too, because you're only going to get a few takes when that when they're when the camera's on you. And when I was a little newer at it, I would be working with the more experienced people in the scenes, and I would think they were barely doing anything, because I was from the theater. And then I realized, no, they're just about right. I'm really overdoing stuff. <laughs> I gotta I gotta scale it back. It's so interesting to hear like all the differences between these different things that are pretty similar. That's right. It's like tennis and racquetball. You know, they're very similar, mm. but they're very different. What are your dream roles or parts that you would have liked to play or roles that you would want to play now? One of them I got to play, and that's George and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. One I always wanted to play, but I'm now too old, I think. I used to always dream of playing Seymour in, um, in Little Shop. Uh-huh. Uh I just loved that role and I loved singing it. And I auditioned for about two, three productions of it and was never cast in any of them in any part. Uh-huh. Um, and then another, I, you know, it was very cliche, but I would say was Hamlet at a certain point. But now, and I never got to do it and I'm definitely too old to play Hamlet. But now I don't even want to see Hamlet again. I've seen it so many times. I've sworn that I'm never going to go to that play again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm done with Hamlet. So I got one. And the other one I don't care care about, and the other one got away. Seymour got away. Mm. How about you? What are some roles you would love to play? You know, there's the classics like Into the Woods, mm-hmm. Les Miserables. But then there's also like newer stuff that I would really like. It would be it would be so cool to do that. Like In the Heights, I really love In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I feel like is great. It's a, it's a really great musical, and especially for someone who is Hispanic, and it's very culturally important. And I would love to someday do that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, the parts for, for guys are very, like, very rap. I'm not very good at that. Um, I'm more of a singer. If I had that, I would do um, something from, in, the, in like, In the Heights. Nice. I, I hope you get the chance. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Practice your rap. (laughs) Some of the other roles that I've been dying to play are any roles from Rent, Tony in West Side Story, or maybe the MC in Cabaret 
and Billy Flynn in Chicago. These are all amazing roles that are so different because of the acting choices you can make and the musical styles that are present in the musicals. Back to our conversation with Mark Boyette, where we talk about his favorite costumes from his favorite productions. Of all the things you've done in acting and in theater and, and in film also, um, is there like a favorite costume that you've worn? I, I don't know. I feel like this is a very fun, more interesting question. Well, it's a good question. And uh, yes, actors often don't dress up for Halloween because we dress up at our jobs. And <laughs> but but that that is not to say we don't like costumes because we love them. Um, a friend of mine just had a fitting today for some. Uh, she, she got cast as, as in some uh, movie, and I'm forgetting the director's name right now. And she's wearing like middle ages clothes, and you know we we were like, yeah, that'll be so fun, like to wear you know crazy middle ages clothes. Because when do you ever get to do that? So yes, um, actually for the Gilded Age, for I have a, a two episodes on the Gilded Age uh, season two, and with yeah. that, um, the costume budget. I don't know if you know that show on um on HBO, but but it's uh, a huge costume drama set in the in the eighteen eighties seventies eighties and in what's called the Gilded Age, and uh, you know when ladies were wearing bustles and men were wearing top hats and all that and. And uh, I was playing, I, I play a banker, an investment banker, and they measured every inch of my body and made every, even my shirt was custom made. Every single thing I wore was completely custom made in that costume shop. And and it was a thrill. It was really fun. It was great. Because a lot of times, you know, they just pull stuff and, and you know, and you're wearing regular contemporary clothes, which is fine. But it's nice to do a period piece because you get to wear something a little different and you feel different. You move, your body moves different in those clothes. Oh, and an even better costume was Shrek uh, because in Shrek, I played Lord Farquaad, the, the oh. uh, you know, the villain. Yeah. And so he's like a little person and I'm a short person, but not a little person. And so I, you know, I did the whole thing on my knees and it was a puppeteer kind of thing, made the costume that had, um, that had kind of like ski boot type things custom made for my knees so that I wouldn't hurt my knees on the floor. Little uh, shoes sticking out and little pants. And then I was wearing a cape, little pants that just went down to my knees, you know? So I got shoes at my knees. And then a cape goes behind me, covers up the rest of my legs that are dragging behind me as I walk around on my knees. That was a whole lot of fun. I had to actually kind of do some dancing like that. It was crazy. That wow! I I didn't even really know that. That's what went into that. Yeah, it's uh, so fun. You should YouTube the Broadway production because uh, they do the same thing on, on the Broadway production, it, yeah. of course. And look at Lord Far Farquaad walking around on his knees. It's it's terrific. It's a <laughs> it's very effective actually because the black cape hides the legs. You know, in your years of acting, um, screen film, have you worked with actors with disabilities? Because I am a visually impaired person myself and mm -hmm. as someone who wants to like get into the industry. Yeah, well, I think it's getting better. I can't say that I have that I can think of, but I, I do know like there was that production of Oklahoma, wasn't it, on Broadway recently that got all kinds of Tony nominations and they and they had all kinds of differently abled people um, in that show, like all, like of, of every variety. So I know that I know that it's um, 
people are striving to be way more inclusive now. So it's it's yeah, of of all kinds of people. So it's a good time. It's a good time for for everybody. What music or art or like what media do you like sort of outside of what you do as an actor? Well, I like podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I'm always listening to a podcast. I will yes. sometimes go on Spotify and listen to a song of some kind and but but uh, when it comes to music I like I like uh kind of partial to the Black Keys. There's a couple bands that I like that have been around a long time. And then I also like uh, New Orleans jazz as a personal favorite sort of genre for me. I really love music that really swings, but uh, but I mostly listen to podcasts, believe it or not. So I'll be listening to this. <laughs> Mark Foyette, thanks a lot for your time. And it was really a good conversation. Yes, indeed. It was a whole lot of fun, Matt. I really appreciate you asking me to... Uh, to talk to you about my crazy life in this in this career. This is a crazy career path, but it's one I'm willing to take the risk and try. That was a great conversation with Mark about the art he makes and why he makes it. Some of my favorite shows, such as Once on this Island, Rent, Chicago, West Side Story, and In the Heights, and many, many others have had such a big impact on me, not only because they're amazing shows, but when I watch and listen to them, I come away with new perspectives on what happens in my own life. Now on to a personal issue that's important to me. I'm a performer, but I'm also a person with a visual impairment. I want to not only make it in the performing arts and theater industry, but I want to truly succeed and thrive. And in order to do that, I have to navigate the scary world of advocating for what I need and a lot of times not getting it. That's why people need to make theater accessible to all, with the performers and the audience. I've had experiences where I'm in the audience and the accommodations are not met and I don't understand the story. And on the flip side, I've had experiences as a performer where I haven't received music on time and I even had to quit playing a performing job and a paying job because my accommodations aren't met. A way to make music and theater accessible is what I believe is making stories of people with differences visible so that they know that they're welcome on stage and in the audience. That can also be a lesson for theater directors and people behind the scenes to be more inclusive because if they see stories with different people then maybe they can start making that change in real life. This has been my conversation with actor Mark Boyette. It was really, really interesting um, to hear about his experiences in the theater, his successes, his mistakes, his life as an actor. And it was all such an interesting experience to listen to and, and to gain knowledge from. And as a young person, as a teenager, I know that I have a long way to go and I will hopefully improve so that I can make it as a professional actor and get to play all of the roles that I've dreamed of. And I dream about seeing my name someday in front of a theater performing somewhere. Special thanks to the New Jersey Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired for all the incredible work that they do. And thank you to WBGO for allowing me to share my voice and my story with the world. And just remember that whatever your passion is, go follow it. My name is Matthew Herrera, 
this has been Behind the Curtain.